today we are starting a new format from Trouble. time to time. And it's uh, going to be a fearsome foursome. We have Dwight Pecora. Many of you know him out in uh, Missouri City, Texas. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. What's up? Fort Fort Bend. Bend. Fort Dr. Bend, Trey Missouri Tippett. City. He was on the pod with me and he and I rode solo on a, on a recent one. Trey, it's getting great downloads, by the way. Fantastic. On our pod that we talked about, like saturation is kind of not your enemy. Like that's not the metric you need to look at. So Craig and I obviously are here and these two guys, and we all four go way back. You guys have been in mastermind several years. You know, we collaborate and talk offline a lot. And we all have kind of disparate. Well, I shouldn't say we, we have different practice models almost. Of course, everyone knows mine and Craig's. Trey, quickly, just in a nutshell, kind of why don't you just uh, give yours? Because I think that's the, that's the emphasis of why all four of us are on here. So our model is based on bread and butter. I would even say single two. I'm sorry, I gotta cut you for a second, brother. No, 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 it's great. It's all good. But we know you really well, and Trey's got this microphone that makes you sound like freaking Luther Vandross. That's not your (laughs) voice. I do like. like, You are like four octaves deeper, or you're high, or something. I just gotta. Why can't I be Luther Vandross? Why do you have to? Okay, I'm sorry. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, really, Trey. I'm sorry, Trey. Proceed. No, but no. Dwight started because he starts smiling when he starts speaking. I handle so I've got 15 operatories. It was the title way of caught everybody up, man. Okay, Peter's go, go, go. questioning why we're all four on here right now. <laughs> He's already wondering. <laughs> yeah, go I'm on. wondering, God, what a what a catastrophic mistake. We should have done our intros, man. I should have. I should have. All in intros. All right. Well, that is well, I didn't want to be Jason Calacanis. So you want me to do them? Yes, you be you be the Jason <laughs> I've not seen the all in podcast in full. What? Yeah. Great. Trey, have, Trey, have you seen it? I uh, will. Uh, I've listened to it. I haven't seen it. Oh, Trey, right, I've been sitting here and I'm jotting stuff down right here, right now. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw something. Okay, notes. do it. It's all right, all right. Uh, this is how the intros are for those of you who haven't seen it. So this is, it's just I'm trying to be nice, but I'm also trying to be harsh because it's more in honor of Peter because I know he and I love this stuff. So all right, we'll start with one of you. All right, he's dentistry's own Tony Robbins and is back to frequent his mega practice in Del Rey after finding himself in the Aspen mountains. He's our vision focused golden retriever who never lacks the chance to remind us of his feelings. His heart is the only reason Peter has not turned into a white Walker. He's our very own trailblazer. The one, the only Craig Spoda. Wow. That was nicely Ooh, written. Amazing. Wow. You are the, you are the Jason Calacanis. You, you, White, you wrote that. That's yeah, why. All right. Keep, keep going. Dwight. Keep going. Well, he texted me this morning. He's like, we got to roll. Oh. All right. Um, he texted you. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, He's all gas, no break with the highest burn rate of any dentist. He's ice cold, unemployable, bulletproof brain behind us all that can make any practice profitable. His biggest anxiety is keeping Craig focused. The enterpriser (laughs) himself, our connector, Peter Bolden. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I I think. I think. I think. Hey, man, all right, keep going. Really. One more. Uh, all right, Trey. Let's see. He's the king of efficiency, uh, the unavoidable competition in the Houston market. His drive to scale comes only second to his legendary happy hour tales. He is the rainmaker himself, <laughs> our very own Trey Tippett. Tippy with trip, TP Trippett. Dwight, I'm so Tipsy impressed, dude. I mean, I'm man, so impressed. You're a happy hour, man. Hey, You'd be coming so out Craig, the Just quick. so you know, the all-in pod, like the guys, you know, Jamath Pali Papadia, uh, God bless Calacanis, you. 
Freeberg and David Sachs. David Sachs is the PayPal mafia. All these guys are like uber successful billionaires. Like this pop, this podcast is so popular that it's actually influencing Congress from time to time. Like it's that, it's that big of a thing. Cool. So Jason Calacanis does the intros like that and kind of, he, he roasts at the same time does intros for all the guys. And it's just, it's kind of funny. But Dwight, you did an awesome nice. job. That's a, that was a, that was a tough one. Um, I mean, I was trying to be nice at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I think you might be our, our resident. So, guys, given that this is a fearsome foursome inaugural pod, essentially, I wanted to to show up prepared, as uh, as Dwight would say, as my enterprise role. So, I wanted to get into something um, a little bit. I was thinking about something the other day as I was reading a book, and the book was habits of highly successful people. Okay. Mm -hmm. I said, all right, well, there's probably, let me extrapolate that and see if we can't break it down into what, um, I'm going to add this here to the stream, break it down into what I feel is that of eight habits of highly successful dentists, right? Now that Craig, we've done now coming up on three masterminds, tons of summits, friends, we have our own experience, Dwight, massive practice, ecosystem tray massive ecosystem so you know you guys are are highly successful dentists as well as some of the the data that we've seen just from kind of helping and coaching other practices along the way so i want to i want to get your feedback you guys haven't seen this but i want to go down some of these traits because i think it's nice to see and if we talk about self-awareness right dwight that's a big thing that you kind of teach with craig with is, yeah. is kind of talking about like know thyself right Sometimes hearing things like this is like, yeah, you know, like I see that, but like, I don't want to do some of that stuff because it's, it's just not in my wheelhouse. I want to be a craftsman dentist and, and be the best at my craft, which is kind of Craig, what we talk about all the time. Right. Yep. So the eight habits of highly successful dentists. My hmm. first one I have is an homage to Craig and Dwight. Yeah, they have a clear vision of what they want and so much so that they kind of know, here's where I want to go from a revenue standpoint. Here's where I want to go from a size of my practice, size of my team, number of locations, number of team members. Culture should look like this, right? Here's what our bonus structure should look like. When I say vision, I mean extreme clarity on the minutia even of it. Craig, you can you talk about, I know you've done this several times in pod, but you've talked about uh, the exactness of your vision of kind of... Uh, you know, yeah, when you the kind precision, of precision, precision. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, obviously clarity is power. And I think there's like a baby step just before this one. So I think there's a conscious decision that many business owners make of, uh, okay, I'm going to go right to this step. What's the revenue mm -hmm. size, location, team members, culture, blah, 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 because that's going to support this other thing. And what I would just challenge everybody is put that first. So what does your life look like? Because your size, location, team members, and culture actually has a profound impact on your life. So I think your first vision is what do you want your life to look like? Because mm -hmm. we we've had a friend, a mutual friend here that came to the practice and said, I want what you want because it's going to provide money when I don't have to be here. Oh, and he you gets have, here. You mean? Uh, yeah, he came. Yes, he came to my practice saying, I want what you have. And the reason why was it's going to create money while I'm not here. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I want money when I'm not working, rather. And he came mm-hmm. here and it's very clear by the end of the day. He's like, this is super exhausting. I don't want this at all. And like mm-hmm. our friend Bonner and stuff like that with the football analogy. So I think like just figure out like, you know, Pete, you always say there's one ticket in life. What do you actually want? Because the greatest travesty is getting everything you think you wanted and being unfulfilled. So I think there's right. a step before this. Like dentistry, as we always say, is a snowflake and it can accommodate multiple visions. What yeah. do you want your life to look like? If you like? look back at my slide of the cover, it's talking about in the context of dentists. Yeah, of course. Okay. But like having, what does your life look like? Because all these things, revenue, size, location. It's daunting though to say that to someone like, hey, not only figure out what you want your life to look like, but now figure out the vision of your practice. Well, they kind of go together. So it's like eating the same, it's chunky at the same thing. So it's like, let's just say that there's a person who likes to coach high school football, like one of our masterminders. He loves it. Having... 15 locations across a hundred miles of spread would probably not add up to creating rules that would sustain his life. Well, or people that are introverts, you know, Mm -hmm. you really, you know, maybe you want a smaller team. I mean, we just conflate the vision of the business and what we really want in our life. And I think that's Dwight. Any comments on that? I agree. Yeah. So uh, that's one of the big questions I always ask is what kind of lifestyle you lead? So the integration of it, it's it's not a balance. It's an integration of they 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 intertwine a lot of things that you have from a business standpoint can be applied <laughs> to your to your personal life. It's your voice again, right? Is that what it's people are like? I, oh, no, I, yeah. I have a problem. Yeah. Thank, thanks, guys. I, thanks. I, I think you're sexier right. than I'm ever, Trey. That's, that's what it is. But, I mean, masculinity. <laughs> that's right. That's, I don't know what to say. About I'm it. with but, you. I would say that the biggest thing is is successful people rely on being self-motivated and self-motivation comes from your own personal vision of who you are, who you naturally are, who you wake up every morning wanting to be, and therefore creating an environment and specifically your business, your practice, how you interact with your team that motivates you to get to continue to be who you want to wake up to be every morning. And so for me, it goes back to the vision is based on your self-motivation. I would agree with with Craig, that that's, it's got to, your core has to come from somewhere. And that's where that comes from. I guess too, in the context of this slide and saying the eight habits, what I've seen of dentists who are ultra successful is there, there was not ambiguity in their vision. Like, well, let's just see what happens. I never really heard that. It was like, I was laser being focused toward X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And they had massive specificity in that X, Y, and Z. Right. You know, it's I funny. Do- Sorry, Pete. <laughs> success is different for each of us too. So what you're hearing, and again, it's, I love this conversation because when I hear success, I'm not thinking of the eight things that led them to get to a high level of economic reward. I'm not saying that either. I'm saying that there are commonality, commonalities and attributes that you see just as a trend. So that you have enough data points, you start seeing, huh, a lot of people in this bucket are sharing some of the same attributes is all I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, let me get, let me give an example. So, like, uh, you know, the thing about the clarity of vision is that nobody can come up to you at any point in time in your day and knock you off that vision and change your path. You are so clear, so laser focused, that you're knocking it out. And as crazy as Elon Musk is, and things to that degree, right? He's got this absolute focus towards Mars, so much so that it goes to an absolute extreme that most of us are like, this guy's a psychopath, but he knows what he's going for. And the other day they asked him because he had had children with multiple women 
things to that degree. And they asked him point blank. They said, so, you know, you're nearing 10 kids. Like, you know, you're going to be a father to multiple different families. Like what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And his answer, the second they finished. No, it was like, how many more word, kids will you have is the question, Dwight. How many said, more how kids many more will you have? have? And he, no, the second they finished, they didn't even finish the statement. He immediately said, well, someone has to populate Mars. His vision is so yeah, clear. He wasn't kidding either. It was a no, he's not he kidding. He's and, not kidding. And he was, oh, that's, he was that's almost straight biblical. It was like yeah. it was like Abraham, but like that, I'm that, creating that and I'm populating. That clarity is so freaking powerful. Yeah. It's so powerful. Like I went to a business consultant in Texas named Roy H. Williams. He's called the Wizard of Advertising. And I sat with him and I think Michael Dell had gone to him at one Wizard point. Of ads. Wizard of ads, correct. Yeah. No. So sorry, I don't know what I just said. But anyway, as I'm telling him my vision, he's like just like yawning and making fun of me as I'm talking. He's like, here's what you really need to do. And he tells me these five things that I really need to do. And I went back to the hotel and I read like my vision statement of what I wanted and it brought me to tears. And I was like, I can't do that. I'd feel like, you know, it was a way to make a lot of money. It was a really cool concept, a business concept, but I felt almost like a prostitute of my, like it was like prostitution of my dreams selling out. And I went to the Salt Lake that night and I didn't realize that they didn't sell alcohol and I had to like bum beers off of people with Yeti coolers because I had to just drink, I had to have a beer. I was so upset about it. <laughs> but thank God it was te West Texas and everybody's really nice there, at least they were at the time. But that's the point. When you have that level of clarity and you really have done the work, nothing can stop you. And the unsuccessful people we know, they're wishy-washy about what they want. So like, you know, the problem is you can't get employees, you can't get this, and this is going on. When you really boil it down, you don't know what you want, man. Yeah. You don't. You never, yeah. you skipped mm -hmm. step one. You skipped yeah. the habit. And then so. it's impossible when stuff like COVID or right. economic downturns or recessions right. come in. And There's then it's no like, North well, Star. There's yeah. No and North then it's Star. like, well, let's move here. Let's move here. But in the end, they continue to just give it up. And, right. and that's, yeah, that's a good point. So the gist of what y'all are saying is basically a vision's a filter. It, it keeps you on track, keeps you driving forward, and that gives you the clarity that what Craig was saying was, yeah, clarity is power. No? I, I, yes, I think that mm -hmm. a filter is a great way. You guys may look at it that way. I like to look at it more like a roadmap, right? Because I'm a step-by-step -step methodical, and I'm like, look, I need to fill in the pieces to this roadmap, so to speak. So I guess it doesn't matter how you interpret it, you know? Yeah, portray, I think all of them are valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a roadmap, but ultimately a road leads to somewhere. Totally. So if the roadmap is going to Detroit and you hate Detroit, don't get on that road. I think that's the way to kind of put and, it And off. have the freedom. Like, you know, so many people, Craig, I think you, we go through these exercises and like it is a dynamic thing, meaning what, what you may have wanted when you were a 26-year-old dentist could be categorically different because now you have a little bit more experience in life. could be yeah. categorically different to your vision now. You are allowed to change and modify right. is my point. Have you so ever, many people get stuck in that. Well, I wrote this down at a seminar, and therefore I have to live by this. Screw that. Right. I, you, ever, you guys know the feeling like when you're when you realize that you're only stuck because you've decided you're stuck. Like, wait, wait, I don't have to do this at all. Wait, wait, what? I could just throw this whole thing away. And then you have this freedom. I don't know if that's just a me thing or if they, you ever feel that way. Like you've told somebody somebody something that you wanted something for so long. Like, well, maybe I just start over and it's actually really freeing and dentistry allows you to do that which is super cool so i agree with what you're saying peter if you wrote something down and you told your team and it doesn't fit and feel good anymore change it that's the best part you know you, you got to change and grow a lot during life number two have it 
The second habit that we see a lot is they spend tremendous amounts of time building their teams up, right? So it is not the doctor is the hero scenario where the doctor is going to hundreds of hours of CE and just getting someone to suck spit and answer the freaking phone and all this stuff. They are building a culture. And I think this is probably one of the hardest things to do, I would venture, in, in growing and scaling is keeping your team happy, keeping them engaged, keeping them growing. And the bigger you get, you know, obviously the harder it gets because you have to then now you have a mass of 50 people, 100 people versus when you're five people, it's it's quite easier because you're in, integrally involved, intimately involved in, in almost all of those conversations. But I'd like to hear y'all's feedback on, you know, on this second um, habit. I get asked all the time. They say, hey, what do you do? And the first thing I tell them is I build teams who happen to do dentistry. Wait, like, hold on, Dwight. Someone ask comes me into an elevator and, and you sit no. and someone says, hey, man, what do you do? Yeah, you because say, that teams. is me. That's my talking point. And then now. the conversation ends. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So here's the thing is. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay, good. That's uncomfortable. I do. I get passionate about building teams. Like to me, it's the greatest process because so much of us in dentistry think that our business is so different from every other industry for some reason. But really, it's all the same. You build an incredible team. Whatever industry you're in has certain caveats that make it easier, more profitable, different things to that degree, less com competition, more competition. But it all comes down to your team. And at the end of the day, you build that first and you go from there. And I talked about this at the I summit. I agree with that, Dwight. You do do that. Uh, I mean, you, you know, I, and you know what's interesting about you? I don't want you to keep going, but you build autonomous teams, mm -hmm. which I love to see, right? It's almost like an autonomous organization where where you, you encourage people. You are not the tip of the spear. Like people are making decisions in the absence of Dwight. Absolutely. Right. And that is an amazing thing to see when you empower your Craig Gears team is the same way. Trey, I haven't seen your team, but I'm assuming kind of the same. Oh, yeah. Um, they haven't seen him either. So, of course, it's the same. Says the guy who's been on vacation for no, eight but weeks. Dwight, Dwight. I mean, Trey's <laughs> way, way out of the way in your organization, right, Trey? You're way yeah. out. You're, you got yeah, a real yeah. autonomous team. So, Dwight, I interrupted and I apologize. Yeah, 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 we we yeah. do that a lot here. But that's, that's what it's all about. I mean, for me, unfortunately, if you're a good entrepreneur, then you feed off of momentum, which also tends to be based off of distractions. We can get distracted very easily. And so we have to build infrastructure around us to be like, I make these decisions and I move on from there. And I let the team, I decentralize decision-making by having a good team so that the machine can move forward regardless of where I'm at. And that tends to be what locks you into a single practice what locks you into one small economic practice, a really small practical practice, and it feeds you and it is what it is. We talked about all these profile <laughs> types. At the end of the day, you are who you are, but heavy entrepreneurial successful dentists get distracted. They need a good team to kind of hone in on the vision and stick to it. So they knock that out. But at the end of the day, yes, awkwardly, yeah, I would say I tend to build teams. I, I love, I have a passion about putting people together and I build teams so that business can happen so that ideas and development and entrepreneurship occurs. And that's what I love about it. Great. I think building teams is to, to pretty much second what I was saying. There are, there's you as an individual, there's departments in a, in a practice, if it's big enough, there's a single practice, there's multiple practices. There's, there's all these, these entities that scale up and get bigger. Think of it kind of as an inverted pyramid. Mm -hmm. And the building of the team is basically a a way to scale whether it be yourself 
or the team or the protocol or the practice or, or the business, whatever it may be, but it gives you the ability to, to keep going. It, it, it gives you an ability to exponentially expand your time, uh, or your work time, uh, we'll say output there. So yeah, it's, it's key. It's key. Do you guys feel that you can scale? I'm just going to flip this on its head. Do you feel that you could build a big organization without building your team? No. You feel it's, you feel it's, it's undoable. Undoable. Well, define big. All right. Um, You're li- so it's like 10 plus practices. I, I don't plus- believe, yeah, I don't believe that the vision can be accurately attained on the shoulders of one visionary. I don't think that that, I don't think that that visionary actually a gets to the point of achieving their vision or B gets to the point of enjoying their, the achievement of their vision, because if they've gone and scaled it all on their own shoulders, they've gotten there and then it's a non-fulfilling vision. Well, it still can be done. I I, I think it can be done. Yeah. I think there's uh, a it, lot of I think that's going to be at the cost ways. of what Craig at the cost. And, and well, I'm not feeling the I mean, possibly listen, the cost of massive, attrition of employees right or massive retention i should say or lack of retention right people come in they come in as hired guns they leave unfulfilled and they look for something else right well i'll, I'll use myself as an example Dwight i was a, yes. i was a very poor team builder i was a team destroyer really? for a good portion of my career i wanted it so bad i wanted to grow i wanted to get this thing done so bad but i was walking around scared I was walking around scared the entire time, like these people don't know what they're doing, and I'm the only one holding the bag. It's what you silently tell yourself that has the biggest outcome on your future. And that's what the shit I was feeding myself. So I drove people away and I caused problems to the fact to the to the to the extent that certain people that want to work here like have asked people, I, I look at myself like we all should. I guess there's versions of ourselves, prior versions of myself that other people worked with have told current employees you should never work there. And they're like, I don't know what they were talking about. You're the greatest. I'm like, no, 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 no. Not version 1.0. Not that early guy yeah, when all that debt, cool. you know. Yeah. So so what? I, why I say it's possible to do it, like anything's possible. Like, mm. the, like, is it walking distance? Yeah. I mean, it might take you fucking six months, but you can walk there. If you want to do it, you can get there. But I think it's going to be really, really costly and not fulfilling. So I'm a, I'm a people person. But I was so scared in my early days of my career that I destroyed many good teams. And um, I had to learn the hard way. This is not in order of importance, too, by the way. All these, these eight, I was just kind of brainstorming. But they it. do feed in each other, by the way, because your vision will build your team. If your vision yeah. is to revolutionize dentistry, if your vision is to you know, um, change dentistry and make, make it a, a caring, compassionate office, you know, then your team will actually rally around that. A lot of teams don't build because they don't know where they're going. Right. And it's like that Sant Superi quote that I would say, like, if you want to build a ship, you don't tell people to gather up sticks. You teach them to go explore the sea. They have to have more meaning than just a paycheck. And I think if you're really good at uh, and you create a compelling vision for the organization, the team will backfill and you have to then create the space. So at a certain point, you build your team by getting out of the way. But the 100%. first step, has to, the first step I has to be done, too. And you told long. me that, too. 
you told me that, Peter. Like when I was telling you that I'm going to go away and all this stuff, you're like, it's going to feel weird for you. I'm like, nah, it won't. And it does actually, Peter. It does feel weird to go to an exact organization, uh, a, a organization that's working well and just think like, okay. Despite how- you. Despite me, well, yes. actually, I I see it as because of us. Uh, of course, but okay. But, let me but let me, now, let me clarify that. Greg. But not now, despite you, not despite you, in your absence, right? But it's a very so. Then it's like, okay, what do I do? And I know Trey, you felt this way a lot. You know, like what do I do now? Because really, at a certain point, a leader has to change. You have to evolve. You can't be up in everybody's business, or else you'll destroy that team that you built. That's weird. Yeah. So it is a weird paradox, Craig, to leave and then your organization do better than when you were present is right. It, it, it kind of, it's a, it's a mind well, self-awareness. It's the yeah. first thing you said. Okay. So then you have to take a long look and say, okay, what are the things that I add intrinsic value? And what are the things that I do that actually subtract value? And, and what then- are the things that fulfill me that now potentially I may have more time for, right? right. Going back to one mm-hmm. a, if you will. Or even worse, where I'm at, if the office fulfills me, I don't want to just use it for my personal fulfillment. The business is here to serve its patients and grow. And I don't want to influence the direction strategically of the business just to satisfy my own personal needs, which is even a bigger one. That's a bigger (laughs) mind, you know. (laughs) This is quite the enigma, buddy. The rabbit hole. It is a rabbit hole. Okay. Number three, Dwight Pecora, you will like this one. They know their numbers, right? They know data in their practices. They know new patients. They know they know average production per patient visit. I'm not saying they are like human calculators, but they are very cognizant of, of reviewing things on, on a regular basis. They're, I can't tell you, and I am not throwing shame at anyone, but I can't tell you the number of times I've asked dentists as we just had conversations, whether it's at summits, whether it's on phones, whether it's at other people's summits, and we just get in a conversation and I ask just general stuff, just conversational information. And the dentist is like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't really know that. I don't really know how many new patients we get a month. Or I don't really know like what my production is per visit or, or what our attrition rate is. Or, you know, like it's, it's mind blowing. And, and it's okay because they're probably there. I don't want to throw shade, but I also think that the dentists that I've seen that really growing and being ultra successful and, and all the things they know, they, they treat their practice like a business, which it is. Right. Absolutely. Well, for, for, for us on this, the fearsome four, our business, our practices are businesses, but um, many of our colleagues do not have businesses whatsoever. They think they do. I was, you know, um, but that you really don't. And the definition well, they have, of- they, that's not true. They have businesses, Craig, but they are the number one employee. Right, right. And that's, I think that's a very important thing to, to just, that nuance is significant. You know, so if you were to invest in a business mm-hmm. and you said that, you know, it, it, it runs on this one person, you may not want to invest in that business. Right. Um, what if said person gets hit by a bus is something I hear a lot. And, you know, or if you're considering buying a practice and there's a really amazing solo practitioner and he's doing two million with his own hands and it's fantastic. You're really just asking if you'd want to buy his job from him. There's yeah. no intrinsic value outside of goodwill. And I think it's really important. And even we had two iconic speakers at our, our last summit and they're really awesome guys. And uh, I was saying about stress in business and how my how business can stress you out. And he looked at me and said, you know, I've never been stressed about my business. 
I was like, because you don't have to, re- you only have to rely upon yourself. Right. If I, if I didn't have to rely upon anybody, I wouldn't be stressed either. That's the leap of faith. And, and, but to, to, to the topic and number three, if you don't know your numbers, you don't know anything. You're just going to yeah. go on feelings. And it's always does amaze me too. When I ask simple things, just like what's your average production? What do you produce as a, with your own hands? Mm. What do you spend on advertising? What are your percentages of salary? They have no idea most. If you can, if you're listening to this and you don't know that, get a handle on it and get someone in your practice to provide you those snapshots mm. of numbers at least and, once a And week. my advice, and I want to hear what, what other guys have to say. My advice to that was don't get overwhelmed with thinking that you have to know 30 or 40. Pick the four that move the lever. Move so the what deal. are those four guys? Let's talk about I, you that. You know, I think it differs. I mean, we can we Right, can but let's hear, let's hear Dwight just real quick. What are the four and well, what are your four? First if you only we, could say four. Yeah, well, first I also want to say, like, when you're looking at numbers, like, I would be embarrassed. I'm at the level now what I would be embarrassed if any one of you are in one of my practices and you ask somebody on my team mm-hmm. and they don't know the number, I would feel embarrassed, much less myself, right? So it is... It is a daily morning huddle process, every location. That's it, it goes much deeper than just us knowing some of these numbers. And sure, this profit and loss numbers may not be necessary, but like new patient numbers, our daily goal, uh, a- average production per visit. Uh, we're, you know, we're rolling through these, these hygiene numbers, the recall numbers, um, that those types of things should be part of your day-to-day. And some of you out there get a little concerned. It's like, oh, well, why are we talking so many numbers? Is it purely a business-driven dentistry or is it patient care and a blah, blah, blah? For me, it's still, and this is how I tell it to my team, it's like you're standing on a scale in the morning. It helps mm-hmm. you make better decisions throughout the rest throughout of the day. day. If I stand on the scale, I know, man, I put on five pounds from the partying this weekend. I'm taking the stairs, not the elevator. I'm choosing the salad, not the burger and fries. Like that's the mentality. And that's the mentality for morning huddle. That's why. Does everyone on this conversation share your numbers with your team? Trey, do you share your numbers with your team's financial numbers? Yeah. Craig, I know you do. Yeah, Dwight, yeah. I know you yeah. do. And yeah. I do as well. Yeah. I've actually been stunned by that. I've had people push back on that. Says, well, I don't want the team to know how well we're doing. <laughs> which is 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 interesting right like well and and back to your point dwight about the scale how do you know what a good day and a bad day is if you don't have calibration right and by the way the scale means something too we're in a noble profession where we're actually helping people too right so the money means we've helped more people new patients mean they didn't have to go to the unfortunate experience that most of our colleagues are offering them we're serving our profession so yes if we can influence and help more people yes let's do that it's excellent. Like, you know, excellent. Yeah, it's a measuring stick of your ability to deliver care. Exactly right. <laughs> that is exactly right. <laughs> you know, I just sound good. It does sound I just sound actually, good. I've, I've kind of, I've kind of gotten to where I'm kind of digging it now, honestly. Yeah, but don't, don't talk to him on the phone because he'll sound. Do not change that. He'll sound, he'll sound like a pipsqueak <laughs> on the phone. <laughs> like when you're in seventh grade, you talk to your girlfriend. <laughs> but the next time, he's going to be sitting there with helium, like. <laughs> You put some helium on that mic, you sound normal, buddy. So, D- Dwight, <laughs> run down your. I mean, we could. If I don't, if I don't keep you guys on track, we're gonna have, we're gonna burn through the next hour of just 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 being well, top, a, top fast. What are the four for you for you guys? Dwight, what would you here. say? What production you, per visit. Production per visit. Got it. All right, everybody, do one. Go. Oh, okay. Oh, um, okay. Oh, we're a force on here, right? All right. I mean, I'm just gonna go with straight. Like, know your collections. 
collections. Okay. Yeah, that's huge, by the way. And then comparing it to the year prior. So yeah. June of 2022 yeah. versus June of 2021. Year over year, month over Love month. It. Love it. Offer retention in there. So whether it be uh, reappointment rate or okay. pre-appointment so net, rate. Net, net, net patient growth? Is that like a weird? growth? No, nope, that's not what he's saying. He's saying the thing from kind of when we talk about dental intel, Craig, the the pre-appointment rate of your hygiene, people leaving from your hygiene. And you're Correct. so you just gave the last one. You're saying net growth, Craig, I guess. Yeah, I'm saying net growth. Well, I like uh, an order of all of them. I like um, if I had to tr pick one, I know that's not a question, but trays would probably be the greatest single one for uh, well, me. Of course, I agree. I, I wanted to save that for you. I wanted to save the softball lobs for y'all. Um, any others, Dwight, that you're looking at in terms of uh, in terms uh, of things that you, I know you kind of look at production per operatory or uh, you mean like utilization you? rate yeah your utilization rate right yeah the dork the dork numbers that dwight gets into yeah, I, what's, yeah. what's the production per operatory by the way what's that goal what's that what's that good one for you dwight i'd love to hear that i i love how we are all over uh so yeah so i would say utilization rate which is what he's talking about like at the end of the day you've got to figure out and this is more for if you're looking at acquiring, if your world is in mergers and acquisitions and you're figuring that out, that's where you end up. So if I would say 125 to 175 production per chair per hour, you heard that. Okay. Production per chair. Per, per chair hour. per hour. Okay. So you break right. it down an hourly. So what's that wow. breakdown on an annum? On a what? I was a year per year. Oh. Yeah, dumb it down for Dwight, buddy. <laughs> 1400 per day times the truth is, is utilization Somebody rate. knows mergers and acquisitions and not know the word annum like no i I, did, I actually didn't hear you because i prefer to hear it in a lower voice oh, okay i should have gotten yeah. straight yeah, to yeah, say let me take it let me take it in the let me show them where it's yeah. at it might come off sounding a little bit more awkward though and um, um, yeah. um so what did you just call that, me what does that break down to what does that break down to in a yearly then um, uh, come on, you have to figure this. I'm kind of curious because I, I actually have had this conversation 250. where someone said like, hey, how much production should I be doing per operatory if I'm doing, I, you know, I like, think where's the upper limit? Yeah. It's such a broad, because you can do per operatory, per chair. Yeah. <laughs> We're never going to get through this. Um, <laughs> per square foot. I mean, oh, come on. But it has to do with your ability to take a practice for it as opposed to the day-to-day -day running of the actual numbers. Yeah. Is what I would argue on that number. So, which so you is don't have a number either. Well, kind because of it's kind of skewed. It also depends the type of chairs, the specialty care, the hygiene chair, all that other, which is why we look at it on a per hour per so as an office and an acquisition. All right, let me let me under that number this another way for everyone at home. Yeah, go. Dwight, I have an eight operatory practice. I'm doing $1.6 million a year. Do you, I have more room to grow, you think, or am I reaching capacity? You shaking your head? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, right. yeah. I have an eight operatory practice. I'm doing $2.4 million a year. Do I still have more room to grow, you think? No. Yeah. Okay. Well, 175 per hour per operatory is about 250. By 250. My right. Per year. That's so the that is a that level where seven minutes ago. <laughs> I understand, Craig. I understand. I'm, I'm I'm going through, and I actually I agree with that number about 250. At the level you've reached 250 of all the operatories, I think you should be able to look at another location or increasing capacity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. So that's that should be your natural cap. So it depends on the type of dentistry you're doing. Yes, 
super GP work, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But yes, that's a good roundabout number. If you're within that 200 to 300 and you know your business model, see where you tend to rely and any more juice that you're trying to squeeze out of that practice will most likely turn into turnover and burnout yeah, on the team, great. which is better to just say, let's move on to the next location or the next acquisition or, or build more capacity. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Trey, do you agree on that? You've expanded forward. tremendous. Uh, yeah, I agree on that. And not only do I agree on that, I want to put a little pin in that Ooh. and you should do an entire, we should do an entire podcast. Okay. Yeah, that because, because that is yeah a that's, that's topic. a great topic. Cause I've been at 500 plus per op for a long yeah. time and I know practice is far greater than that. So, um, yeah, yeah but you're, but you're, but you're going back to number one, your mission was not multiple locations. It was, I want to build the dental hospital. So you, you did very efficient. You became more efficient with your space versus trying to grow your footprint. But Peter, you're, you're like your Buckhead location is pushing that, you know, five hundo, six hundo, I'm sure. So, you know, maybe, maybe on average, right. There's, yeah. there's a lot of hygiene, of course, hygiene numbers potentially can, can could potentially bring that down versus the, yeah, can, but I, I don't need to know your gross right now, but how many chairs in that bucket? Cause I remember at one 12. time. With, yeah. So you're, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, 500, but uh, but I but I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. I just think that the people look. It's always a question hot in dentistry. When it's you know it starts with this. When should I look at expanding? And I think that when you reach the two hundred twenty-five to two fifty operatory mark per per operatory per year, I think it's feasible. I think you have enough cash flow and enough profit to look forward either expanding capacity. Right. Or expanding locations. That's all. But see, like, right I get now, that question. Example, line, right? yeah. Yes. So we should all be able to get on this podcast and say, all right, as an eco, as a global ecosystem amongst all your practices or all your operations, where are you generally at within that, as you like to say, annual uh, yeah. utilization rate, right? So fine. At right now, I'm around 400, which okay. means, guess what? Right mm -hmm. now, my only focus is expansion and building mm -hmm. i'm building a building and i'm expanding another that's yep. because i sense that the good thing about what we're talking about that most people need to understand is that we're not making emotional response most of us would probably say you emotionally know you need to expand but how much or how little you need to expand is based on actually knowing your numbers and you're saying emotionally driven decision versus data driven decision exactly right? and that's yeah, where yeah. we have to focus on and so i love talking big numbers and saying all right well this is where we're at I'm at this scale and that number. I've got room to grow if I expand this one and this one and this right. one and make that happen. But okay. it's numbers related. So that's number three. Number four. Number four, they build systems of operations, right? So I am of the mindset that every dental practice on the planet has standard operating procedures. They just might not be the ones that you intended your office to have, right? In an absence of you being the director of creating step-by-step -step methodology and the way you should do it, your team is allowed to go rogue and figure things out on their own, which could be highly inefficient, highly nonproductive, and be and actually be contrarian to number one, which is your vision. So I have seen the teams that I have seen, the dentists that I have seen being very successful are very purposeful with the way in which they run things, right? The way that, that we answer the phones. Here's how we answer the phones. And I'm not saying that you become robotic, but it creates guardrails for people as opposed to letting people just be free range chickens. 
I agree. That means any build sense. it or it will be built for. There you go. I mean, it, yeah, it, and and like that sounds like oh, I'd just rather be built for me, but no, it's going to be built in a catastrophic manner. A thousand percent. Yeah, you got to be careful about the fact that you know who builds your vision for you. Yes, you're building a team, but are you letting them? take it off in different, this is the brand killer, as I call it, especially in multi-locations or even department to department if you have a mega practice, central mega practice, right? Like if you go into one part of the building or you go into one location, it feels very, very different. Not because of, like we've got some, you know, practices that are out towards the country versus those in town. Yes, they have a different feel because the clientele attaches, but the brand, the feel of the practice, the walking in, the walking out, what it smells like, what it acts like, how things are checked out, how those treatment plans are done, the quality of care, like that should be consistent. That comes off of building systems and processes. And it also keeps you stable. It makes your, you know, it, it has to be built off of numbers too. Like, And you become less of the cog, the most important cog, because you're not now the chaperone of making sure everything is answered yeah. right. And did we do this? And we do this insurance verification, right? And yeah. how did we treat Mrs. Jones? And what was the filling we put in there, right? You don't become the nucleus of everything, like I said, right? There's a there's a way you just adopt things and it's written down and everyone abides by it and it makes everyone happier. Yeah. And so the, the dentists that I see that are that are obsessive about this, um, they have big organizations and they're able to scale a little bit easier in a non-chaotic manner. This is what I think about when I hear people saying, I can't find anybody good for my practice. <laughs> yeah. It's because they're they're recruiting people that are pre-built and ready to be successful. Well, there's probably 10% of the market out there in recruitment. If they're coming into a systems and processes and onboarding and consistency and they hear the same thing from everybody on the team, guess what? More of the applicant pool is able to come and be successful in your office. The goal is, are we, are we looking for pre-made people? Are we looking for the understanding that anybody can be successful in our environment or the majority. One of the biggest reasons people quit you guys is because they didn't get enough training. They go through that disillusioned learner stage where they're like walking around the practice unaware of what to do. And how many times have we heard this? I've I've even probably been guilty of it myself. Just get someone on the phones to answer the things. The most important job in the practice, I say, just put someone on there to get a warm body to answer phone right look and that is not not bueno dangerous yeah dangerous right but like you know well in the same like i'll give you i'll give you an example of the opposite end of it so i know very successful dentists that are producing millions of dollars a year with their own hands and they're just like i just want to do the dentistry i'm going to go hire the ceo and they're going to run everything for me i'm going to pay this person building systems correct Right. But it's also that CEO may not know dentistry and there's no transference. You can't plug and play a CEO, as we all know, or a director of operations, plug them in and just walk away and do your dentistry. Right. But they come from a world of more of like a checklist manifesto where things happen sequentially. So you just I know we all think it. dentistry is the same- unique and it's not. It's it's business. It's method. It's processes. Yeah, we're dealing with clinical. Yeah, we're dealing with human bodies. Yeah, we're dealing with other things. But at the end of the day, it still is operationally. Uh, yeah, but we're managing other dentists at that level, the high level where you're ready to hire a CEO. You're managing other dentists, not just team. And dentists have a fa- fatal flaw that they only like to listen to dentists. 
which is interesting. That's, that's an accountability piece, which is kind of the second part of this whole concept of building systems operations. So you can build the systems, but you got to build the accountability on the back end of the systems too, to keep them. It, it's a self-perpetuating system of like systems. Like the checks and balances. So the so systems stay in place. Saying, right? It is. It's checks and balances and making sure that they are getting done. And once the systems are in place, it is. So where's the fine line between that and rails. like micromanaging? Uh, micromanaging, if I was to answer that question right now, it's on that's people managing people. Mm -hmm. Systems managing okay. people is not micromanaging. People managing people is micromanaging. Like systems managing people is just a systematic. Yeah, and not always, but. A system isn't going to micromanage someone because it can't do more or less. But it does define, I, I think, like I was saying, it's it defined. defines the guardrails yeah. of like, here's what's acceptable. Here's what a touchdown looks like. Here's, well, you know, here's what a fumble looks like kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Got okay. It. All right. I like it. All right. This one, this one um, comes up a lot for me. Successful dentist. The fifth habit of successful dentists is they understand marketing. And let me put a let me put a disclaimer on this. I'm not saying that they do their own marketing, but they understand their marketing. How many of us have seen some of our colleagues be taken advantage of in this field because they a like Craig saying they just wanted to do dentistry. I hired this marketing company and they get and they a quick the marketing company could quickly ascertain the level of acumen they have from a marketing perspective and they set it and forget it your practice meanwhile you are paying them on a recurring basis so why do i think this is important um because it is one if if growth and continuing to grow and and growing your practice and getting more successful in your town is predicated on awareness for you not to understand how to get more awareness <clears throat> startles me. Thousand. Startles me. Yeah. Right. If and also you, when we, when we talk about marketing to Pete, it's not just the, the, the message you're displaying out to the, to the public. It's how your brand is perceived. So your location, your, your receptionary, your finishes, your uniforms, it's all, that's marketing. all marketing. And, and even if you never spend a dollar, You've actually and you and you're busy. It's probably because your brand is great. You're talking about the marketing of patient experience, right? Right, right. Yeah. But it's all understanding. It's all marketing. They don't go to you, even though you don't think they go to you for um, your location and your facility and the way it looks. They do. People actually choose totally. places. I go like, to places because of the way they look and feel. That's the branding piece of marketing that I think a lot of people ignore because they, they get too side they get too hung up on SEO mm -hmm. and social media marketing and Google ads and all these other things and then they leave the part that <laughs> right which which is even worse and they wonder why right the retention yeah. rate isn't high like oh they're low quality patients because they came to my practice and never came back that might not be a low quality patient. Potentially, it could be the way the experience they got when they got there, right? Your office was dirty. The team was grumpy. You had terrible bedside manner, didn't know how to talk to them. Like, right? It's not just like, oh, I hooked them as a new patient and now I have them in perpetuity. It's yeah. an ongoing courtship, uh, yeah. in my opinion. So let me, let me keep unpacking this just a second. Again, when I say they understand marketing, it's only so that they know enough about each scenario, whether it's 
oh, I know how Google ads work. I know, I know how to run ads on uh, Facebook marketing. I know how to maybe make my own ad on Canva or something like that. They have enough acumen in all sides of what they're doing where they can have qualified conversations with the person that they're deploying with so that they can, on a regular basis, audit what they're doing. If you know nothing about it, right? If you know nothing about marketing, then you will accept anything as a result. I think of all the things besides my weekly operational cadence meeting that we do Monday morning or whatever, this is the one other department I meet with every single week. Because for me, it's holding accountability, especially if you're outsourcing anything, holding accountability to those dollars used and those that stuff output. But to me, it great, gives me the greatest limits test to how the pulse on the practices, how things are going, how the community sees us, how the brand is being carried, and what are we thinking about? Because it is the most flexible, it's the most uh, dynamic portion of our business that we can turn those faucets on or turn them on off. and off. On and we and should off. not just let it just run because it floods and then we we lose uh, our we lose sight of understanding our efficiencies. It should be the ability to throttle it forward and back because maybe you're gaining better efficiencies or you're doing better work and you need less of certain types of marketing and things to that degree. But but, me, but I Dwight, think to be able to titrate that based yeah. on knowing your numbers going back a slide yeah. is yeah. like a freaking superpower. Like, I'm sorry to get so, so heated here, but like, it's amazing. I know my numbers. I actually have a great month. I don't really have had great three months. Maybe I can tone down my marketing, which will yeah. enhance my PL, which will only enhance my EBITDA, which makes me more valuable. Right. Well, it's like my favorite story. I always hear every dentist say, oh, September and October. Okay. I'm just going to sit back. It's just crappy months. I'm like, so you know this every year and you don't make any pivot yeah, and in three months prior you're not doing something categorically different right right how are we not prepping for this how are we not holding off on specials and you know financing options for invisalign or whatever the heck you're doing you're trying to build them up and getting prepped i mean for us it should your team should be anxious to make sure that these things are getting plugged and played when they need to be taken off because that is the throttling you need to do. If you're just throttling it all year long, then yes, those months are going to continue to be, but there are times when you need these ways to stimulate your practice. And that's when you use them. You don't just say, well, I need them all the time. No, you actually don't. And so I think it's really healthy to understand the, the metrics by which we implement. I think one of the biggest, and then I'll Good. shut up on this, but obviously everyone knows I like the marketing. One of the biggest joys of my career in, in coaching other dentists has been turning the lights on in this capacity capacity yeah. for them. Right. Okay. Meaning that like, it doesn't have to be this like box where you don't know what goes in and out, like training them or having them go to courses and, and learn about it and then feel this like emboldened sense of like, nothing can stop me now. Right. Yeah. And like, that's been just, I've seen it in now and I can think of four intimate guys and, and gals, actually, uh, three guys and, and one gal that have done this and it's changed the direction and the enthusiasm of their entire career. Well, you've also right. taken all of our practices at a deeper level, a lot of categories. I mean, I know we've all influenced each other, but in many, many ways, I mean, Peter, you've taken a lot of the stuff that was a niche for me and you're like, stack it in a different way or think of it in a different way and double check your ROI. Like how many of us had all this SEO being spent? You're like, oh, really? Or, you know, and just understanding it just at a higher level. 
it's kind of like your the podcast we did with regards to uh, crypto. It's like getting off zero. For me, mm -hmm. marketing is the same way for everybody. The fact that you haven't tried it and you didn't follow through with it and you didn't go back and track it to the actual ROI of production within your business and understanding it was a worthy avatar to pursue or all these other things seems overwhelming. But you don't get to that point until you get off zero with marketing. You've got to do it. This brings a really good, this is a, marketing is a perfect microcosm of the whole thing in that it's goal oriented. You don't market to market. You market with a very specific goal of whether it be you know, new patients or whatever retention, whatever your goal is from a marketing standpoint, then you need to delegate from a position of authority. So you need to understand it enough to know what you're talking about, to have those high level conversations. And, and then you need to track your numbers. So, you know, I heard this one time that I always loved. It was, uh, half my marketing dollar is wasted. I just no, don't know. Which Therefore you can't change a thing, right? Yeah. Exactly. So then you spend the time looking at, okay, well, how do we minimize the wasted half and maximize the yeah, and you do that by numbers, follow through, and and continually, basically just evaluating that system. Right, and in the absence of understanding your business, understanding your vision, what you'll do is you'll just market two special offers, a $15 new patient exam and cleaning or whatever else. That's why you slip down into that sea of undifferentiated competition. It's just a sad place to be. Um, so it's Let's, all uh, I'm going to keep the bus moving in an effort of keeping this pod um somewhat condensed number six they learn how to delegate in the mm -hmm. on the come up all, all of our come ups right we had more time than money right i remember those i remember those times all too clear right i yeah. was the guy putting tvs up in the ceiling learning them all the things right now, now i'm not trying to give the the this the walking to school the snow both ways scenario but like we all remember those times. Yeah. In the come up, you have you have more time than money. Successful dentists, I think, then start learning that they can buy their time with the money by learning how to delegate and get out of the way, like we kind of talked about in the beginning, and and hiring or hiring for their inadequacies, leaving them to do their superpower, but not being afraid to hire and delegate and being like, you're the best person for this job. Whether you believe it or not, it frees it from your plate. I'd like to hear some of your comments. I like to say with regards to this, the focus, I'm going to say this slowly because I actually went over this with a couple of leadership teams. The focus is to realize my fully exploited strengths are more valuable to the team than my marginally improved weaknesses. You see what I'm you saying? So my team. You said that yeah. to my team. That's beautifully said. I like so that. So the focus is to realize my fully exploited strengths are more valuable to the team than my marginally improved weaknesses. And for some reason, leaders think that in order to be a good leader, I need to be a well-rounded leader. And that's a bunch of BS. What you need to be is a well-rounded team. And mm. we need to exploit my strengths by having mm. team members who carry my weaknesses and we can exploit those are their strengths and don't, don't spend some because leaders try to spend so much time trying to like marginally incrementally better their weaknesses. And the truth yeah. is, is why it's an right. absolute waste. Right. And that's where I think we get caught the most in our business and we spin our wheels more than anything else. 
trying to be like, I got all of this. I can carry all of it. It's why our vision ends up being unfulfilling if we carry it all on our own shoulders. Not to mention our business ends up being not profitable. Like Craig was saying, I carried it all on my shoulders for so long. Well, guess what? He produced a high top line revenue, but he wasn't as successful in the profitability <laughs> margins because he didn't get out of the way of his team to be able to do it the right way and decentralized decision-making, right? And by the way, Dwight, the delegation comes through dental work as well. One of the top questions we all get answered is when do I add an associate? When's the right time to add an associate? Mm -hmm. Well, if you've added an associate and you're paying that dentist, you know, five, six, seven hundred dollars a day guaranteed minimum, and you're running around like a maniac doing the dentistry and they're sitting at their desk twiddling their thumbs, you've right. got a big problem on your hands. You gotta really figure out what you're doing. Yeah, um, so learning to replace you is really important. To replace yeah. Anything okay, awesome, awesome. Number seven, may become specialized on the things that they want to do. And I do mean this in a clinical aspect, actually, guys. So there are things that we do in our day, in our clinical day, and they would they would pull from your battery, right? I want to use kind of some energy units getting into Dwight's world. Yeah. They would drain some energy units from you because you hated doing class two composites or you hated doing veneers or whatever, you hated doing extractions. Like, let me raise my hand on that one, right? If you want a dry socket, come to me. <laughs> um, but they would drain you, make you anxious because you would see it on the schedule. You'd have this anxiety all day long. So it's nice being able to, to get to a place where you can you can stand for something and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to work towards, I'm not gonna just one day declare this is, I'm never doing that again. But my goal is to work towards specialization of the things I want to do, not specialization inside the career of dentistry. I'm not saying, you know, I know we have specialties. I'm saying get to get to do more things that light you up during the day clinically, whether it's veneers, maybe it maybe you get lit up by class two composites or occlusal composites with stain. Who knows? But like become the master of that in your practice and and let go of some of the things that you may be doing. Um that are draining you, even though they are productive for you, quote unquote, even though you're collecting money from them, quote unquote, they are still draining you on the daily, which is then going to potentially shorten your career because you are going to burn out. Yeah, but this is the throttle of every entrepreneur, right? I mean, if, if you don't get out of your way, if you don't get out of that seat that is not made for you and you've got to be able to, in particular clinically, like, when you add a doctor, like Craig just said, you've got to be able to purge that off. And then guess what? You become more daily fulfilled. If you don't think the team feels that negativity and that cruddy attitude about wanting to yeah. get up and do an MOD, DODO, MOD, like, and that's not your game plan, guess what? You've now built something worth start fulfilling and enjoying your practice mm -hmm. as you're growing it. This is right. one of the ways in which you get to do that. Is I mean, the, Craig, you're the you're the poster child for this, right? Like I hated you love, my business yeah. for a while. Yeah, because you were doing shit you didn't want to do. And now you have this yeah. like, you know, you were like, look, I should only be doing my Invisalign practice because I really like it. I'm really good at right. it. Right. And then that changed before. though, too. So like there, we have to give grace for what we what we say and what we do, because at one point I was the only guy that would, would do like the all on fours and the high level stuff. And no one else would Same. want to come into that ecosystem. And I hated that. And it could because when you're doing FMRs like you were, Peter, you cannot pick up for one minute and go like talk to Sally or hygienist. So it's pretty binary. It so it's pretty binary for you, Peter. You had a very you went like you were at 9.9 .9 on the dental scale, 10 being the highest intensity. You were always at 9.9. .9. 
So I stepped down to Invisalign, which is like 4.2 on the Dennis scale. And then even that became too much. And now I'm only one day a week, one column a week Invisalign. So it's just nice to select and, and, and change over time. You know, I, I think that's what's good. And a good point you got to make that Craig, you touched on this earlier, uh, but you have to be a generalist to then become specialized. 100%. That's actually what I'm saying here, Trey. Yes. You have to eat so you all have the glass until you can get to yeah. that point. Yeah, you do. But the growth and the drive then, uh, to echo what Dwight said at the beginning of it all, this is this is your driver. Mm -hmm. Is to it. enjoy it. It's this is, yeah, this is what takes it forward. Because now you're focusing on the strengths. You're delegating the weaknesses. You've built a team around that. And now everything, now you have synergy. And now you've created abundance in your practice where someone else can now fill in for you, meaning and help you out. You are now not the most important person in the room, or maybe you are, but at least now like, Hey, I can hire an associate now because I, I want to give all of these things to them right. as opposed to, I'm going to hog it all and take it. Cause I need to collect everything and be, you know, I need, I want to go on vacation, whatever it is. Right. You become specialized in what you, what you want to do. Your team knows that you become the best at that. And then you delegate the rest of those clinical procedures to someone else in your organization. Um, that's actually a large part of how kind of we grew at Atlanta Dental Spa, honestly, was was dividing and conquering and, and doing some things and doing cross referrals to help embolden our little micro practices within the practice. So, okay, guys, last one. I don't even know what it is. Oh, my favorite one of all. That's why I saved it to last. It was in the order of importance. They, number eight they learn how to enroll let me pause for a second when i say learn how to roll, enroll they learn how to communicate not that they become salesperson -y and they learn how to enroll but they learn how to communicate uh warren buffett it's a funny quote i just saw recently actually pbd uh, uh pdb wait no pbd craig i get his initials and my initials confused p, p. diddy no my initials <laughs> are peter, yeah. peter dawson bolden his, his <laughs> wow, you know, wonder he became a dentist, right? He's my like granddad. Awesome. Yeah. Um, no, he's not. Um, he's but I get those initials confused. My point is, he posted something that was talking about Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett was says the hundred dollar speaking course that I went to, I think it was Toastmasters, was is worth ten times more than any degree that I've ever earned. And I say this all the time. I know it probably beat this horse, but like the communication, being able to take something complex, Craig, you talked about FMR. Right. Being being able to enroll in FMR and distill it down to something that the patient can understand without 20 years of, of, of having dental knowledge. And it goes back to the even the conversation, Craig, you and I had uh, a couple of days, a couple of podcasts ago talking about the words to use and words not to use. Right. Like this all rolls into it. The enrollment is an art. Yeah. Right. The communication is an art, learning body language, learning all these things, the patient experience. How do we make them feel? That's all people remember. But the dentist, the highly successful dentist that I know can enroll dentistry. You put oh, someone yeah. in a room that's quasi interested in X procedure and they will enroll it. And by the way, those those dentists that are that phenomenal at enrolling typically can en can enroll people in their vision by the way and they can enroll team members to build the team so what they're what you're speaking to is a larger construct that kind of that kind of ties all these eight habits back 
and it's a confidence and belief in yourself. Yes, it's you a have, swagger for sure. Swagger, right? but you you have to figure out what 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 makes your heart happy. And I know this sounds real woo woo, but if you really believe in something, like even if it was a pizza shop, like I'm going to build the best ingredients and we're going to change pizza, your team will be behind you. Your numbers will be great whether you choose to listen or not. But if you stand for something big and you want to, there's like a gravitational pull to beautiful ideas. Mm -hmm. And the enrollment factor comes from a dentist that's actually built a vision. It's different. We do it differently. I just believe I agree and disagree with this, Craig. Here's why they're all intimately tied together is all I'm saying. They're not dependent. If I dream of hitting home runs, okay, but I don't go and practice that. Oh, yes, of course. But the first thing is the dream. The dream okay. is the home run. I want to do dream is is a small faction of that in my opinion. No, because you won't practice, you won't have the you won't have the follow through. The desire. The desire that the, the grit. Right. It's hard to go to the batting cage all freaking day. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, and take the take what Craig's saying and bring it into the clinical aspect of it. I would argue that you have an ethical obligation as a clinician of any type in healthcare to enroll because it's good for that is, that is going to be something that shows you that you believe in what you do if you don't believe that your dentistry is worthwhile or that yeah. this isn't or needed you feel or this it's salesy right how many times have we heard that that's salesy yeah. dentistry yeah, sales. that person yeah. has a problem sales. with their own belief system not right. an enrolling but if you believe in what you have and what you do you will enroll and then you will get good at enrolling because you know that people are benefited by what you do by your skill set, whether it be dentistry or you know surgery, whatever whatever clinical aspect in healthcare you are, you should be able to enroll. You you should be constantly focusing to get better because you believe in what you do. And if you don't, then you should really reevaluate what you're doing all day and change day. it and and take a sidestep and pivot that. But it's true. I mean, the U.S. government spends tens of millions of dollars in advertising campaigns just to get people to put on their seatbelt when we know it saves lives, but they still have to market that. So it's like, if you believe what you're doing is akin to the seatbelt saving lives and helping people and all that here, stuff. Here's why I'm bringing the baseball analogy, Craig. Sorry. Okay. I like baseball. You spend massive amounts of money building a practice, growing a team, figuring out the marketing, finally to get a butt in the chair. And then you shit all over yourself sometimes because you can't communicate what the patient really needed. And they leave more confused than ever. Now they go to the next office or don't enroll or, or you hit them up like, Hey, Sally will take care of you. And then they'll say, Hey, we'll call you later. And then you never call. My point is it takes so much effort to get an at bat in dentistry. Don't blow it. And don't blow it by not learning how to be talk to someone and communicate and make them feel amazingly special for that small tranche of time that you have with them. That's, and all of us, I, all of us have a ton of docs on our teams. And it's not just the doctor, it's a hygienist that out and they're the one with the relationship and they have a conversation. And I get that there's whole dynamic to enrollment, but it is about, as Bruce Barrett used to t- coin it, the one act play of enrollment. Meaning you can walk in and you can connect with that one individual on where they're at so that they understand their needs so that they commit and build a relationship with the practice, build a relationship with you and kind of be able to go from there. And then you follow up on your systems and processes and all that to kind of 
hand off of that. But I'm with you. We spend a lot of dollars in marketing. Mm -hmm. We spend a lot of efforts to get them in the chair. And then we botch it simply just coming in and acting too, you know, clinical or too academic, not connecting with them, not asking about them. Making them wait 45 minutes in your reception. Or like just yeah. making it clunky to. Or making them physically uncomfortable and putting them back in the back in the or not calling chair. them after you give them yeah. an injection, like things right. like this. Or just right. There's, there's those that are tactical and I know your brain goes there and that's what makes you, the, the, the four of us so powerful together is that we all have different perceptions on it. The thing that's magically, like I'm using magic, that's helped me help other people, like a Mimi or like uh, the Mimi, who's a former mastermind or the doctors in my practice, is actually like a worthiness conversation. Where like I'm mm -hmm. like when their margins are really good and they're really good at dentistry and they're taking all the CE, I'm like, these patients are lucky that you're there. You have a heart. You care. You want to do the right thing for them. That unlocks a lot of people too. So it's the at that, but it's a awesome. self-esteem thing plus the tactical. If you have great self-esteem and you leave them in the chair for 40 minutes and you botch the whole freaking thing and you're like, hey, it's going to be a lot of money. You know, I don't even know what it's going to be, but I, it's going to be a lot of money. Like people say stupid shit and really yeah. screw up their, their treatment plans. But that's, that's it. I mean, that's where they come from, right? Is those craftsmen that are hyper-focused and they're incredible clinicians. Guess what? They're also the ones who are most likely to get sued because they're too non-relationship, very granular, all these right. other things. And these other ones come have these relationships with these people. They could actually screw up, but they told them all about the risks, all the things, and they've got a relationship. Be like, you know, I'm going to take care of you. You know, I'm going to stand by it. And I think that's where the difference is. And it is coachable. It's something that you can spend time on and you can learn and you can spend time getting to know and do better. We just have to put it time in. We have to put the practice in, like you said, try and hit it out of the park. That's what it takes. I love it. I love it. I learned a lot today, actually, guys. Any anything too. of the eight that you would either add or yeah, anything that you would add to the the high, the the eight uh, the eight things of a highly successful dentist. Anything else you would add that we didn't cover? You think the biggie for me? I think you need to end cap. Yeah. You need oh, to put I, an end cap on that. Rinse, wash, repeat. Okay. You keep going. I like that, Trey. Yeah. I was worried you were going to knock out the communication, but I'm not surprised that that's. The, no, the no. I actually you said, said I said it. I said it wasn't in order of importance, but I think I think there was some of that. I wanted to end on something that I felt very passionate about. Yeah. And honestly, it's funny. Like people, look, I, I am inherently an introvert all mm -hmm. day long going to work and rolling patients drain the absolute shit out of me. Heck but yeah. I had to learn my way out of that meaning i had to practice and record myself in mirrors and act like this you know i would record myself in an operatory with miss fictitious jones and i'd listen to myself doing a treatment presentation i'd be like i sound like an absolute buffoon right mm -hmm. and then i'd do it again and i was like i sound like a little less of a buffoon and then i did it again and be like all right it's getting a little bit better right but to your point craig about the swagger then ultimately after doing it for 10 15 you know 10 years you walk in with a different swagger and now you can't unenroll people, right? Because you have such confidence and you're so passionate about what you're doing that people just are gravitationally pulled to that. And they're like, yeah. he's my guy, you yeah. know? And so that's, um, I don't know. I guess what I'm talking is to that because most dentists or a lot of dentists I know are introverted as well. And they get uncomfortable around either money conversations or enrollment conversations or clinical conversations. And it drains us, but practice makes progress, not perfection. I agree. Well, yeah, whether, I, I, mean, I like 
I, I love this. It's um, I, I think uh, there's a couple of recurring themes like the art of it. And I think that your career is meant to be an artistic expression. Life, a good life is artistic. The art of making friendships, the art of building relationships, the art of communication, all these things. If you're an excellent communicator, you, you will you will learn this, but they overlap. So it's not just making your, your career better. When you right. become an ex exceptional communicator, your whole life gets better. You know, it's not just if you can build a team, you can build your relationships with your family. You can recon, you know, there's these are I look at business almost like a religious thing. Just add value, help people, and like it all keeps going. I like the outro music, by the way. I mean, that was, yeah, it was like what you said there. was dreamy there. So I'm going out with dreamy. Guys, I want to say I really enjoyed this format. I like, you know, yeah, it was a good I time. Like, maybe Craig and I have had just too much of each other, and we and we just end up we know what the other person's gonna say. So maybe maybe it's nice having some new yeah, throw, energy. Throw a curveball in yeah, there. The well, I'd like to I'd like ball. to say this for y'all. White, kudos to you for the intro and all the all the stuff. You are you are now the new resident. Uh, Bring that is now your job. In I have the right to know. No um, and uh, anybody wants me to put their. Uh, voicemail on for him I'm <laughs> ladies it's a lady Craig who, who are we about to go have a pod with let's get everyone uh, hyped for him this guy is a big deal Dr. Not Tom you two. not you too yeah you two, you Dr. Two Thomas Rodri Dr. Thomas Rodri out of UK I'm excited about this dude I feel like I should wrap this outro one time check it take us out take us out all right everybody thanks for uh thanks for listening to us we enjoyed this talk and we'll see you next time on the bulletproof pod over and out